Hello, writers, and welcome to episode 14 of The Query Show. If I sound raspy, it's because I've had a cough, so we're all just going to deal with it. Today, we have two great middle grade queries from Trisha and Shaylin, so thank you for sending those in. And as always, you can submit your own queries at thequeryshow.com, where we have a form, upload them. I'm always happy to get new ones. So let's get down to business. Query number one this week comes from Trisha. Thank you, Trisha. Dear Agent, in Francis in the Wastelands, when Francis finds out who his father really was, he has to learn that his biology doesn't dictate his behavior and that he gets to choose his own brand of courage. It's the summer before seventh grade and Francis just moved to a neighborhood of experimental low-income apartments in an abandoned mall with his mom and her boyfriend, Bernard. His biological father died when he was five years old and he is starting to get curious about who his dad may have been. When he asks his mom, she answers his questions about Bernard, like she doesn't even know who Francis means. Curious, bored, and restless from his lifeless surroundings, Francis does some investigating of his own. He finds his dad's obituary in the back of a photo album full of pictures that makes him wonder if maybe all the stories he has been spinning about his dad as an adventurous spy might be wrong. With mom acting like there's something to hide, Francis is a little afraid to know the whole truth, so he puts his investigation on hold in favor of the comforting stories he's imagined of his dad as an adventurous and a noble spy. The imagined version of dad is a man who Francis could aspire to be like. When school starts, he makes a new friend, Arabella, who expresses interest in helping him out with his dad investigation. The search results reveal what Francis was afraid of, local man Sender Rooney charged with drug trafficking and several counts of domestic abuse. In the process of coping with this information and wondering what it means about his own destiny, Francis joins Arabella in hanging out with some known troublemakers, Harry and Robin, and fulfilling his own worries of being like his biological father. His new friendships test his commitment to the one person whose camaraderie he really wants, Arabella. The wounds of Francis and Arabella's relationship remain neglected, and she, Harry, and Robin threaten to vandalize them all. Can Francis be brave enough to protect his home and reach out to Arabella to restore their friendship? With similar themes as Lost in the Sun by Lisa Graff and The Question of Miracles by Alana K. Arnold, Francis in the Wastelands is a complete middle-grade novel at 60,900 words that poses relevant questions about morality, loneliness, and belonging. I graduated from MFA program in July of 2018. During my time there, I was privileged to work with various advisors, my love for writing began with poetry, and I have had poetry published in various poetry journals, as well as my grandmother's refrigerator. When I'm not working on fiction, I'm working on the children's services team at my local library, mentoring students in mentorship programs, practicing calligraphy, and hanging out with my husband and our dog, Scott, who we sometimes call Scoots Boots Roots Toots Scooty Booty or Scott Robot. I look forward to talking with you further. Okay, so rewinding to the beginning. The first paragraph is really just one sentence that introduces the title of the book and what Francis is up to. On the one hand, this is a nice overview of the book and shows that the author has a handle on the overall arc of the story. But I think this section can go later, after the plot summary, so that it can sum up rather than introduce the plot. Show Don't Tell works in query letters too, 
And if I were an agent reading this query, I'd probably just breeze by this first line to get to the characters in the plot. Now we learn about Francis moving to his new apartment, his mom and her boyfriend, and the mystery of his dad. So this is a fascinating premise and one that feels spot on for middle grade. Questions of identity and missing parents emerge at this age, and I think readers really connect with them. My big critique for this paragraph is that it's just a bit long. It's not that it necessarily has too much information, it's just that it could be condensed. The query overall is about 550 words, which single space is pretty much a full page. It's not too long, but it bears examining to see if it can be revised shorter. And here, I think some shortening can be done. Part of this condensing can be achieved by moving the inciting incident earlier. Francis finding his dad's obituary is the big deal in this paragraph, so let's have it up front. Something like, when Francis finds his biological dad's obituary in the back of a photo album, he realizes he might have a way to get answers to the questions his mom refuses to answer. The author could also streamline by combining the mention of his lifeless surroundings with the description of the abandoned mall apartments. Which, it's clear from the way these apartments are described that they're not super fun, i.e. lifeless. Then there are some details that can get taken out. For example, I don't think we need to know that Francis's mom acts as though Francis is asking about Bernard. The important part is she's just dodging the question about his dad. In fact, I'm not sure Bernard even needs to be a named character here. He doesn't show up in the rest of the query. The author could save space by simply referring to him as his mom's boyfriend. Now we get to Francis's mom acting like there's something to hide and Francis temporarily putting his investigation on hold. So my question with this paragraph is, what's being put on hold? Because all we know so far is that Francis found the photograph and is questioning what he thinks he knows about his father. But so far as I can tell, he hasn't taken any active steps to investigate. So either the author should be more specific or just jump to the next series of actions, which is making friends with Arabella and finding out that his dad was drug trafficking and guilty of domestic abuse. So this is a big twist and a super dramatic information reveal, it really complicates things for Francis. However, I'm wondering a bit about the cause and effect as well as the stakes, two of my favorite things. We just learned that Francis put his investigation on hold, but then he starts up again and finds out this new information. I don't feel like I quite understand what motivates each of these. Things are happening, but I don't have that good grasp on the interrelation of the events in the plot. And when it comes to stakes, what does this discovery change in terms of his existing conflicts, namely his relationship with his mom? How does that make his goal more or less urgent? We're told this is what he was afraid of, but the repercussions of discovering this fear don't feel fully clear. In the next paragraph, we meet Harry and Robin, the troublemakers, and see Francis abandoning Arabella for their friendship. So this paragraph too needs a little bit more cause and effect saying, in the process of coping with this information, that just means that his coping happens at the same time as his hanging out with the troublemakers, but it doesn't imply that one causes or affects the other. Does that make sense? They're just simultaneous. So I want to see more about the interrelation here, which is probably just a matter of getting more specific with the details, which leads me to, how do his new friendships test his commitment to Arabella? Just what does that mean exactly? The author could include a few concrete examples of activities or situations that test his commitment. Again, just show don't tell. It's also that we don't really know what's at the core of his friendship with Arabella, which I'll get to later. 
In this next paragraph, we talk about the wounds of their friendship being neglected, and she, Harry, and Robin threaten to vandalize them all. Francis has to make a choice to be brave and protect his home. Here, I think we just jumped a little too far forward. What wounds of their friendship? Did Francis do something specific to hurt Arabella, or vice versa? And the passive-ish phrasing of the wounds remain neglected just obfuscates who exactly is doing what. Now, the rhetorical question here, can Francis be brave enough, that has me wondering about how all of the threads of the plot wind together. What's the synthesis? The question of being brave enough to protect his home implies that his ultimate goal all along was protecting his home. But that hasn't really come through in the bulk of the query. We really only hear about the apartments in the first paragraph. And when it comes to Arabella's friendship, it's hard to be fully invested in the stakes of losing it without knowing more specifically why they became friends, like I was saying earlier. What support do they give each other? What shared vulnerabilities do they have? Or just shared interests? If we know this earlier, we can really feel this loss along with Francis. Finally, it seems like we've abandoned the mystery of his dad, or at least that we don't know what role the information they discovered about his dad plays. We've also kind of left mom behind, and I just wonder how that subplot resolves, or at least plays into the development of this climax. When you get to the climax paragraph, pretty much everything you've mentioned in the query should come into play. Otherwise, there's no need to mention it in the query, kind of like we were talking about Bernard. Now we have a meta paragraph with the themes and comps. I think it's a great meta paragraph. And I think it would work great if melded together with what's the opening line. I think poses relevant questions, too, is a good way to discuss your book's themes without tooting your own horn, so to speak, and then claiming it has all this incisive brilliance or whatever. This method is nice and understated, but still informative. Finally, the bio paragraph with information about the MFA program, poetry publications, and the author's job. So this is a great bio. There's a lot of information about the writer's background as a writer, which we all know is what matters in the bio paragraph. That said, I really hate to be a Grinch about it, but the agent doesn't really need to know about your dog. And I know, dogs are the best. If I had one, and like one day I swear I will, I would talk about him all the time. And if the book were about a dog, then I could see an argument for including it. But here, it's just not professionally relevant information. And given that this query, as we've established, is already on the longish side, I would just cut it. Sorry, puppy. Thanks, Trisha. Hey, so I just wanted to share some information about some of the great interviews I've been doing for the bonus episodes because they're just getting better and better. So I just put up an episode with literary agent Jessica Sinsheimer, who invented the manuscript wishlist hashtag, runs the Manuscript Academy, and has 15 different types of form rejections, which I found fascinating. The whole conversation was great. But you can also check out other interviews, like with editor, author, and writing coach Kate Browning, talking about acquiring books for a publisher and trends for 2019, middle grade author Amy Lucido about why your first query might not get results or even be the first book you publish. Then literary agent Emily S. Keyes and I talked about pitching at conferences, meeting agents in person, and just the query alternatives that exist out there. Plus, I have great episodes lined up coming soon with author Rachel Lynn Solomon, author Phil Stamper, and writer, editor, and authenticity reader Kyle Hiller. So definitely don't miss it. You get all these episodes for just eight bucks a month, which helps the show keep going. So check out our Patreon on the website, thequeryshow.com. Thanks, pals. Mm-hmm.
Okay, middle grade query two comes from Shaylin. Thank you. Warm afternoons in a drought-ridden Southern California, filling archaeology journals with field notes, excavating a long-buried emerald ring with her best friend, Ajuni. These are the days 11-year-old Ed Jones loves most. But when Ed finally joins Ajuni in middle school, she discovers Ajuni spent the last school year befriending their former bully. Worst of all, Ajuni abandons their treasure hunt. That is, until Ed and her new digging partners, and pesky younger sister, unearth a clue that brings them closer to the ring, rumored to have been buried by a woman 150 years ago after she lost her husband, a twin daughter, and their cattle farm to a historic flash flood. Determined to find the ring before her ex-best friend, Ed digs herself into a deep hole of sneaking around in lies. When the emerald is at the tip of her trowel, sabotage and a monstrous storm threaten everything. The hunt, sisterhood, Ed's life. Between the Lines is a 45,250-word middle-grade novel written for young readers who experience inevitable friend growing pains as they navigate middle school. Think The Secret Language of Girls by Frances O'Rourke Dowell meets Absolutely Truly by Heather Vogel Frederick with a bit of The Lost Cipher by Michael Oshley. I am an avid member of the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. This manuscript, as well as a picture book manuscript, received kudos from an agent and editor at two different conferences. Both pieces were submitted for critique. Thank you for your time, author. Okay, back to the top. I put these two queries together because they're both middle grade and they have a lot in common, but they're also very different lengths. So starting with the first paragraph about the drought-ridden Southern California afternoons, the archaeology journals, and the hunt for the emerald ring. I love all these specific details. I already feel like I know what kind of kid Ed is, and a Junie. There's a great but when phrase that sets off the action, and then a worst of all that ups the stakes, both with relevant, clear information. So that's great. The structure does need work, though. Starting with a sentence fragment is confusing. It's not grammatically incorrect, but it just takes too long for the reader to compute what it's actually saying. It does start the query with a sense of atmosphere, again, drought-ridden Southern California, the archaeology journals, the buried emerald ring, and that's unusual and interesting. But it does that at the expense of comprehensibility. There's nothing wrong with Ed Jones loves warm afternoons filling archaeology journals, dot dot dot, and so on. It's a clear statement that establishes what a character likes and thereby hints at what they might want. Don't feel like you have to reinvent the wheel when it comes to your opening. Sometimes simple is better. Now Ed and her new digging partners, including her sister, unearth a new clue. It's a twist of fate. I love a good mystery unearthing. It feels very holes, another great middle grade novel. And like I said, while our first query was a bit on the long side, I think this one could use more length. First, who are the new digging partners, and how are they similar to or different from a Juni? Second, what is the clue? I'm dying to know. Now third and most important, what is the emotional significance of this backstory to Ed herself? How does this resonate and raise her internal stakes? It seems like there is an emotional undercurrent at work here. It's a book about friendship and the changing friendship with a Juni, but there may be emotional undercurrents in other directions too. So I want to know what those are. Now in the final paragraph of the plot summary, Ed's digging herself into a deep hole of sneaking around in lies, just as a monstrous storm and sabotage threaten everything. Yikes, it's drama. We have a good sense of the ultimate threat here. The sequence of events is clear, but again, more details would help give this some depth. It's only two sentences and then a couple fragments. So 
To start, what exactly is the deep hole of sneaking around in lies? Who is she lying to? Presumably the adults in her life, but we actually don't know anything about the adults in her life, or if she even really has adults in her life for that matter. So that's just a matter of context. Then when it comes to the storm, there's no doubt that it's a big threat. But I want to know more about how this affects both the stakes and Ed's internal arc. Clearly, survival is going to be more important than the ring. So why would she be so determined to save the ring? And how does sisterhood play into this? We don't really know much about Ed's sister, besides the fact that she's pesky. But most of all, what choice does Ed have to make here? The issue with life or death situations is that they don't inherently involve emotions, just instincts. The trick to getting emotional stakes here is to intertwine the only way to survive option with some kind of choice that the character is reluctant to make. Maybe because it'd hurt them, maybe because it'd hurt someone they care about, or maybe because it would just compromise their chances of achieving their goal. Next, the summary paragraph with the word count and a couple comps. It's a great summary. It's a comprehensive list of comp titles, which helps position the book very tightly, although I will admit that I haven't read all of these myself. The only real tweak I'd suggest is to rewrite the phrase written for young readers who dot dot dot, because middle grade is always written for young readers. So you could probably streamline to something like a middle grade novel that addresses the inevitable growing pains of friendship at the beginning of middle school. But, you know, like, written better. Now the bio paragraph, which talks about being in the SCBWI and getting some kudos from agents and editors on this and another manuscript. It's a great bio. It's pretty short, like the rest of the query, and I think the author might want to include something like where they live, although now that I think of it, there's never really a reason to include where you live. It's just the kind of detail that seems to be boilerplate in professional introductions for whatever reason. So if the author would like to add one more sentence, that's a good option. Thanks, Shaylin. And that's all she wrote, or podcasted. Catch you back next week. As always, you can find our archive of episodes at thequeryshow.com and on all your podcast players. And if you'd like to be a featured author, just head to the website too and fill out the form. I always forget too to mention that you can like follow me on Twitter. So I'm at a tall order. I know I've just had the handle forever. And I tweet about the new shows every week. Also at the website, you can sign up for our mailing list. Make sure you don't miss an episode and get a free copy of our querying workbook. Until then, I hope you get outside and get some sunshine, absorb that great, great vitamin D, and I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.